0: Well, good morning, everybody. We are on the Make More, Keep More podcast. What we're going to chat about today, we've got my kid joining. He was a complete pain in the ass to raise. All right, good kid, but you know, it just worked us. And he's turned into a really good negotiator. And he's going to talk about negotiating everything. And it's not just proud dad talk, uh, but it was. He's done a great job of negotiating everything from leases to law school tuition to um, job offers for all his friends. He's like the go-to guy. And so he's got some really good principles, if we can get him on here to chat about, um, that I think you guys will really enjoy. So before we get to that, Dominic, did we have any leftover
1: questions from last week or anything that we we needed to cover there? No. But I think uh, a little, you know, idea of what the show is might be a good idea. So this is the Make More, Keep More show. I'm Dominic Cummings. Oh, is a good is advice. Ron Carruthers, in case you're joining in and trying to figure out what the heck are these two guys talking about. Uh, so usually, what the format of the show is is I tend to talk more about the making more money side of things, and Ron talks about the how to keep more money. But you know what? We know a little bit about both of those things, each of us. So we uh, we definitely get on there. So the last few weeks, what Ron's uh, talking about is the last few weeks we've been talking about investments in a crazy market. Uh, we've had a real estate expert on, we had a uh, mortgage expert on, and uh, we also, let's see, we had somebody else on and I forgot what it was, but we, have oh, we talked about alternate investments in a crazy market. So uh, that's the type of stuff that we cover in this show. In fact, we'll probably do some surveys coming up, see if you guys have any interest in some other topics that you want to talk about, uh, anything, or you can throw it here in the comments if you want to, because it's really open format we just like to talk about all things money so uh that's the whole purpose of this show so negotiations are really cool and i, I like this i'm looking forward to this because i think the idea is you know it everything's a negotiation when you own a business i feel like you know it's uh whether you're negotiating like you said a lease or or you're negotiating with a, a new employee or you're negotiating sales everything is some form of, of negotiation so i'm really excited to get this well, going. If-, if you're
0: so, did we have any leftover questions from last week?
1: No, I was looking through these. We had some book recommendations and things, which we said we were going to do a post for, and we completely forgot. So that's on us, and uh, we will get out a book. By the way, I,
0: let's go through a handful of those right now, and then we will do a post on it. What is your all-time favorite business book, D?
1: Uh, I've said it before. I just, I love the 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 hard thing about hard things is the name of the book. It's it's by uh, his last name is Horowitz. I think it is the hard thing about hard things is probably one of my favorite Ben Horowitz is the guy's name who wrote it. Right. So that's a, that's a great book, really straightforward things. He has some great principles that I love. Like there are no silver bullets. Um, you know, like basically there's no easy way out. And no, I'm a huge fan of that thought, thought process. I think a lot of times people look for what's the next growth hack. I even hate that term. What's the hack that you're going to do that's going to short, you know, shortcut everything. Uh, What's it gonna, you know, what's the thing that you're gonna do? That you're, I'm gonna do this one thing that's gonna make me an overnight millionaire, and there's very rare of those things that actually exist. I, my favorite, I think we
0: got the bear finally on. Um, my favorite for goal setting is the pledge, Brennan. What's happening, little bear? Hey, Alpha,
1: Um, Brennan. Good to see you, Dominic. I I I love the
0: pledge because we'll get to you in a sec, Brennan. Um, I love the pledge because I've never seen somebody break down goal setting in such a good fashion as Michael Masterson, whose real name is Mark Morgan, Morgan, Mark, Mark Morgan Ford and his other book, ready, fire, aim. If you're launching a business, it's not like product launch stuff like Jeff Walker, but it's the strategy and pricing and units and how to get your team to move faster. So ready, fire, aim is another book of his. That's fantastic. So anyway, Brennan, yep. good to have you, kid. How are you this morning, son? I barely waved at you.
2: I'm doing fantastic. Uh, okay.
0: So yeah. just so you guys know, we call him the little bear because he's like six foot seven, six foot six, somewhere in there. And your stepmom, Sylvia, aka Beach Brownie, says that she says that she's five two and we all know she's lying about that by at least an inch and a half, possibly <laughs> two inches. So the pictures of them, if you go to Beach Brownies page, are hilarious, where Brennan can literally, like, rest his arm on her head. So, um, yeah, so it's kind of funny to call him Little Bear. Thank you for joining us this morning, kid. You are, why don't you give him two seconds of background about you and, and your, where you went to school and career and stuff, and then we'll dive right into negotiation stuff.
2: Sure. Um, i 26. I did undergrad at Northeastern University. I did... Uh, major in finance, minor in social activism. Um, I started a company while I was there with a friend of mine, uh, graphic design, branding, web design, web development, um, just general uh, design agency. Been running that now for um, four four and a half years. Um, That timeline, yep, four and a half years. And I'm starting law school in the fall at UT Austin. Nice. Nice.
0: We're going to be going to some, Dominic, I think you're invited. We're going to have to do the podcast live from a UT. We're looking at the Baylor game or the um, TCU game or something like that. So hands
1: down the funnest college stadium I've ever been to. And I'm a big USC fan and I've been to, you know, all of the UCLA, all those games, the UT Austin game, best college football experience I've ever done. That cannon that they launch off will launch you out of your seat. It's so freaking loud. <laughs> uh, and then when uh, Matthew McConaughey comes out on the field, uh, it, it, you've never heard anything like a hundred thousand people <laughs> just right, right, going all on. Right. All right. All right. All right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty <laughs> awesome. So yeah, I am, I am down anytime. And one of my favorite, bar, I've spent a lot of time in Austin and I uh, have definitely drank my way through Boston or uh, Austin, Austin, Boston too. But Austin, so I know some really great bars. Uh, the Luster Pearl will be one that you'll become intimately familiar with. It's a great bar. So anyway, it's, right. it's a good place to go. <laughs> That's an interesting name for a bar. All right, it's well, a let's great check
0: bar. It out. Okay, so Brennan, negotiation. Tell us, why don't you lay down some of the basic pre- – first of all, tell them some of the stuff that you negotiated. I did kind of while we were waiting here and um but why don't you jump down i mean you have negotiated everything from your internet bill to long-term leases to your friend's job offers am i leaving anything out
2: tuition um at school um pretty much the airbnb i've ever stayed in uh, the big ones i think a lot of it I think of as like a cost-benefit analysis. If it's a $50 purchase, it's not my time to do all the work that's needed for a successful negotiation to get that down $10. But if I'm making a $500 or $5,000 purchase, yeah, if I put in two hours of work and get that down 20%, then it's a pretty good hourly return.
1: All right. Fair enough. So that's good. I I mean, how do you look at... that? So I'll I'll ask the questions here because I think Ron knows, probably sees this more than I do. So... (laughs) from you but like an airbnb like i've never even it's never even occurred to me to try to negotiate like what what gets you to think like and how do you go about that process let's start there because i think everybody like probably on here i imagine an airbnb periodically so like how does that work how do you do i mean i figured it was just the stated website price and done deal. that was it
2: yeah um that's probably my specialty out of everything so i've gotten some crazy good deals on airbnb's um yeah, the best being down 75% or so from the listing price. Um, a place that was listed at 3400 down to $1,150. Um, and this will actually be very illustrative too, like when we start talking about what makes a good negotiation because it kind of uses all of it. Uh, basically, I'll reach out to a bunch of places with a standard message saying, hey, your place looks great. I'd love to rent it. Um, it's outside of my budget here's kind of more where my budget is. Is there any way we can make something work? And the real key is reaching out to a lot of places because a lot of people are going to say no. And that's, if you're familiar with sales at all, that's just how it goes. A lot of people say no. And that's totally fine because all negotiation is, is just finding finding a mutually agreeable way for everyone to benefit. So I'm looking for someone who is, uh, more focused on just renting their place and not having it sit empty than they are, um, looking to, you know, maximize their profit for that particular weekend or that particular time period. So if I reach out to 10 people with that message of, Hey, your place looks great. Love to stay there. But my budget is more like, you know, $200 a night, not the $800 a night you're asking for, Uh, probably six. Well, if I reach out to 10 places, three or four won't respond. Another three or four are going to tell me, sorry, no. Um, one or two, might say maybe, and one or two might say, yeah, let's talk. Or they'll say, you know, I can't do 200, I can do 350. Does that work? And then now you're negotiating. Uh, okay. You know, now you're talking about. And again, a lot of people, like when they come back with their first response offer, they're already down 50%. Um, so, yeah, it pays off. It definitely does. A lot of it has to do with being flexible. If there's one place that you want really badly, um, the chances of you being able to negotiate that exact place down a ridiculous amount are very, very slim, uh, but it's possible.
1: So what do you think got you to a place where like, I think for me, like I always think about negotiating, but I don't know, just a certain amount of like, uh, I don't know, I don't know if I wanna ask, what do, you, what do you attribute that sort of like, I'm just gonna ask, let me just see what happens. Is it just, Are you just naturally fearless? Or is it that you're like, look, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, what's the mindset around that?
2: I think the mindset is that um, I can ask and they can say no. And that's everyone's prerogative. Um, And so long as I'm very polite about it, no one should get offended. If I, you know, if I send a very polite and kind message saying your place looks great, you look like a wonderful host based off your reviews, unfortunately i just simply and you know i'm not lying i simply you know i would never stay at a place for 800 bucks a night just at this point in my life uh, but, <laughs> but for twelve dollars uh, but for twelve dollars a night i would love 12, to stay there yeah. your
0: local crack babies Hell yeah. <laughs> we missed you man we were kind of trying to delay everything
2: <laughs> but um yeah if you're really nice then you know my messages i have maybe you know one out of a hundred or two out of a hundred will be a little ir- irked or irritated and say like, you know, no, how dare you even ask her like, you know, uh, rude in any way. Usually they're super polite. If they say no and just say, Hey, sorry. Um, you know, that just doesn't work for me. Or, you know, I'm going to take the gamble and hope that I rent it for hire. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's definitely a huge principle with negotiating of um, if you never ask the answer is always no, Right. as long as you're polite asking because way more often than 50 percent of the time um i can't give you like a realistic number maybe 70 or 80 percent of the time people will at least um meet you in the middle to some extent for sure
1: so when you when you start out a, a negotiation do you are you thinking like i mean how low are you are you offering it up or are you going to like you mentioned in the Airbnb example that you you said my budget's more like two hundred, which is a quarter of the eight hundred that they asked, right? But what is, is there a number that you kind of look at? Do you always start that low? Um, you know, yeah, somebody's actually asking, like, would you start at fifty percent of the listing price, ten percent? Like, where where do you? And that's a great point. It's kind of what I was saying. So, Rihanna or sorry if I mispronounced your name, but like I probably just did. But like, it, how are you being insulting? <laughs> like, so how <laughs> do you how do you know where the number? I know you're. You could be really kind in the message, but how do you do it in yep. a way that everybody feels like, oh, man, this guy isn't trying to yank my chain here. He's actually trying to say something nice Yeah, or, or you know, offer something real.
2: Yeah. A, um, a huge part of that is that it should not be based off of what you think the other person wants. It really just needs to be based off of what you want or can provide. So, for example, I was negotiating a place that was listed at 7400 a month. Um, half of that was still way above my budget. So I'm not going to ask for half of that because even if they said yes, I would still come back and be like, whoops, sorry. And then I'm, you know, just a jerk, uh, <laughs> you know, whittled them down to 50%. Of my God. <laughs> um, so it first needs to come from what you want. You know, if you're negotiating a job offer and you've already decided, Hey, my skills are worth at least 90,000 a year. Then, um, if your offer comes in at 50,000 a year, you know, even negotiating it up 20% to 60,000 a year is not going to do it for you. So why even bother? You know, you wouldn't even think of, oh, it's, you know, 25% too much. You would come in and, you know, have to have at least a, whatever that would be, 60% increase. Um, I think, again, the politeness is really, really crucial. Um, I would say that maybe a little more people are like a little offended if you ask, but not really. Like maybe... Three out of a hundred are offended if I'm you know going for an eighty percent discount uh, but usually people are very very kind so long as you are again, you can ask and they can say no, and that's everyone's prerogative but for example, that place that was seventy four hundred a month we got down to I think twenty four twenty five hundred um, and the whole negotiation process just started with asking and then once we asked and just let them know like here's what we're looking for, we work from there so for example found out that. Um, while they were okay with the price, uh, they were really worried about not renting on weekends while we were there. So we, you know, negotiated that we would come in on a Monday and leave on a Thursday so that we were only staying for, um, three weekends, even though we were there for, you know, 28 days like that. Um, we found out that they were really worried about the gas bill because it was in Denver and the gas was really expensive. So we said, okay, we're not gonna, you know, we're gonna keep that to a minimum, um, It was just really working together to address, not their position, but their interest behind that Mm. The position of, we need at least 7,000 or we need at least $5,000 a month. It was, uh, their interest behind that, which is what are they actually hoping for? They want to make sure they can pay their mortgage. They want to make sure that they are not giving up better opportunities for renters that are going to be paying four times, you know, a night, what we would be paying. Um, they want to make sure that we're going to be good guests, that we're going to leave them a good review, that we're not going to trash the place, which, um, you did. So you went ahead you went ahead and trashed the place anyways.
0: Oh <laughs> <laughs> hey, let, uh, me yeah. one, let me let yeah. me interrupt one second just because it's been a minute. Just so you guys know, you new guys joining on, this is the Make More Keep More podcast. Um, Dominic of Real Biz Advisors is my co-host. I'm Ron Carruthers. And um this is my son. He was um, you know, a bit of a pain to raise at times, although we love him dearly. But um, <laughs> he's really good at negotiating. So Afron and Carruthers, and um, so and he's just this is his like mad skill set. So besides <laughs> doing graphic design and branding and stuff like that, which uh, are you getting? Are you taking uh, on any more clients, Brennan, before you go to law school?
2: No. Yeah, you're done. All right. I'm done. I've got like two projects I'm wrapping up right now, and I'm hoping to have those done in about three weeks. And all right. I'm-
1: Wait, I thought he was going to do our new uh, logo for this show and everything.
2: <laughs>
1: hey, man,
0: hold on, though. I got somebody who was going to do intro music for us. I was at a nice. funeral and uh, I got this one mosquito trying to get me. I got him. Take that, sucker. Um, I got somebody that I think is going to do an intro song for us. Okay, nice. so if you guys don't mind, back to negotiations since this is the Make More, Keep More podcast. Negotiating prices down is a great way of keeping more, right? Just like paying less taxes or getting your mortgage right or anything else. But what, what I really want to hear about, Brennan, if you don't mind, is I you know you've helped a ton of your friends negotiate their job offers up to make more. Where do we start there? Because sometimes as a financial advisor, like you cannot rob a homeless guy. Uh, that's one of my favorite sayings. I came up with it. and I know it's a little insensitive, but it's like, hey, if somebody doesn't have any money, you can point a gun at them, you can do whatever you want, but it's not going to do anybody any good. And Sometimes we meet families that have the best intentions and really need to improve their situation if there's nothing anybody can do until more money is coming in the door. Hey, Nikki, Uh, so Brennan, where do we start if someone's got to negotiate a job offer and Stephanie, I hope she's not listening to this and I'm going to ban her from watching this podcast. Stephanie is my like loyal right hand to everything. So hopefully she's not on, but Brennan, where does someone start and how, tell us a couple of stories because I know you've helped Caroline do it. I know you've helped your friends and stuff like that. Yeah, and and your stepmom says you've got a lot of practice negotiating at home too. Guys, don't even freaking start to tell me about it.
2: Brennan, how do they negotiate their job offers? Yeah. Um, and so for context, um, I'll have to go back and count, uh, well over a dozen, I'd say probably closer to 20 friends. I'm probably in that like 15 to 20 friends, uh, for what helped negotiate their job offers, um, to the point where maybe I'll start, um, asking for, uh, them to buy me some dinners or something because, um, but I just like it. So it's fun. I like helping my friends. Okay. So that's a big question. Um. Let me back up just for a minute and say that negotiation a lot of people think of it as in a room who says the number first, who's going to blink first, um, you know who has you know the bigger balls and is going to really hold their ground and that's part of it, but maybe at most like twenty thirty percent of it most of negotiation is all the background work you do beforehand that makes it so that you are not getting to the point where you are saying take it or leave it and just really, really hoping that they take it. But instead getting to the point where if you need to, you can say take it or leave it and you don't care either way because you have other options prepared that make it so that you can say take it or leave it and be happy regardless of what happens. And that's what like real negotiation, really powerful negotiators do. So they are beforehand doing research about the job, making sure that they are not just saying Hey, you offered me 50 K and I want 90, but saying, Hey, you offered me 50 K and the market average in this, uh, you know, in this industry is 80 K. And also I come with two years of experience and I, you know, have industry experience and you you know, like they're doing that background research that anchors their negotiations and is not just making it a battle of wills, but rather you are referencing something outside that has more power than just their wins. That gives your position a lot more strength. Even more importantly, they're developing other options. Um, I know, Dad, you guys talked about this on your podcast. You were, you know, tweeting about this all the time. Never have just one of anything. And that's very true when it comes to negotiation. You should not just get enamored with one job offer and only pursue that. And then at the end of it, really hope that they make you a fair offer. You need to constantly be developing multiple options. So that if they come in and you're looking for that 90K and they offer you 50 or 60, not only do you know that you're worth more than that and you need more than that, you also can go in and say, look, I also have an offer somewhere else for 80. I like your guys' culture better, but they've got better benefits. And you're just trying to, at that point, extract you know the best that you can get from both sides. Um,
0: so that tell is a part. Tell us one of the stories, like tell us an example of one of your friend's negotiations, if you don't know mind, like how did it actually go? So yeah. they can remain nameless or you can name them or i'll say name then I'll say-
2: <laughs> <laughs> um let's call one of my friends this is maybe a more moderate story it's nothing crazy but it did you know, result in some benefits um this is a friend ally uh she was looking for her first job out of college um She uh her and I are very good friends, so she and she knew that I'd help some other friends negotiate and was just like, hey, what should I do? Uh this is the hold on, I'm getting text.
0: (laughs) I'm getting texts too.
2: Uh you still got me? Yep. Uh, you a little better. Cool. What do I do? And I was just like, get job offers first, try to get them at the same time if you can and then come to me so she did she got two job offers that came in and hit each other both for the exact same amount for sixty five thousand. um the first thing i said was just politely ask for more um you don't even have to name an amount and frankly it's better if you can just politely ask for more you write back three sentences hey interviewer thank you so much for your generous offer it was so wonderful getting to know you and the team i think that this is an amazing fit for me um, You know, given the, you know, you can reference outside things or you don't even have to. You can just say, you know, um, is there any more you can offer I was looking for? And if you want to give a number, you can. That's more up to personal preference on, you know, who says the number first. I personally like to because I'm usually shooting for like the upper range of something. Um, But yeah, just ask for more. Sometimes they say no. Sometimes they say yes. I think it's always important to start with salary because at the end of the day, that's how you make more. But what you're going to do after that, you're going to see how they respond. And by the way, way more than 50% respond and do raise. Sometimes it's only, you know, here's an extra 2,500. Sometimes it's as much as I had a friend a couple months ago who got an extra 15,000. Literally just for a three-sentence email that said, can I have more, please? Uh, So that's a huge one once you start that conversation, you are also going to want to start talking about everything that's non salary too. And there are a ton of things that can move on, but I always recommend starting a salary first because that is the thing everyone thinks of on negotiation. A lot of the time they will offer more, but even if they won't, once they're saying, sorry, we are really firm on salary. We cannot offer you anymore. Then you say, okay, well you offered me two weeks vacation. Oh, uh a uh, 401k match. Um, you know, I'm looking more for five weeks and a five percent. Um, all of that is very helpful and asking... more someone, the soft
0: like, benefits.
2: The soft okay. benefits. How much time off do I get? Um, what kind of expenses do you have for my personal, like edification, for personal, you know, and professional development? Um, are y'all giving me a signing bonus? Are you all, you know, uh, yeah, giving me what kind of health benefits are you giving me, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, those are huge, but again. All of this becomes so, so much more powerful uh, once you have another offer. Because then you can say, look, I really love your company. I want to work for your company. But this other company, they're offering me the same salary as you. Plus, they're offering me you know, three more weeks vacation time. Um, I want to work for your company. But at the end of the day, I am looking out for my own self-interest. Can we work together and find something that works? That is another thing with negotiations, especially more tense ones that seem like, um, you know, one side's going to win. It's like a zero sum game. You know, if you get more, they get less. Um, you need to do everything you can to try to reframe it as we both want something and we need to work together to make that happen. As in my potential future employer really wants to stop recruiting and going through that process. And they already have, uh, indicated that they like me and want to hire me. Uh, I really want more money and more job stability and more benefits. How can we work together to find something that strikes a deal where I will sign on the dotted line uh, and feel good about the benefits that I'm getting as a result? Uh.
0: We have, Brennan, if I can interrupt for a sec, um, this is the Make More, Keep More podcast. If you guys are just jumping on today, we got Dominic of Real Biz Advisors. He's on every week, but we got my son, Brennan Carruthers. And we've got some questions in here, and um, you can follow him at Brennan Carruthers, but he was too poor to afford the last S, so I think it's only at Brennan Carruthers. But we've got some questions in here, and one of them was, where do you go to find the research on what that salary should pay? Um, I know when we were looking at renegotiating Stephanie's salary, which we're kind of in the middle of right now because she's taking on some added responsibilities, we Stephanie. went to Indeed. <laughs> Pardon?
2: That's Stephanie. Call me.
1: <laughs> well, I think we lost Ron. Yeah. Yeah, I think he can't hear us right now.
2: Yeah, hold on. He's outside. I can get him.
1: Well, well, actually, well, Ron will figure it out in a minute. <laughs> these airpods will connect uh so uh, yeah actually so that was a good question on where did you say so i've looked at indeed i've looked at uh we lost your audio Ron. just so you know so um but the uh but yeah it happened we, did i just get cut out yeah yeah your audio was gone so
0: i've been getting text messages and
1: phone calls and all kinds of stuff today it do not it's disturb disturbed. is your friend oh is that disturb. what it is okay i yeah. didn't even know could yeah. do that
0: Sorry about that, y'all. What I was saying is we went to Indeed. You know what? You mentioned having Stephanie call you and my phone was like, oh, hell no. That is a bad (laughs) idea. (laughs) Sorry about that, guys. uh, Next time I'll know to put Do Not Disturb on. But uh, all I was saying was going to Indeed. We went and looked at just what other job offers were and what benefits they were offering. What do you recommend for these guys to do their research? Is there a better place, Brennan?
2: I literally have just Googled project manager salary salary try to include the industry um, okay location especially if you're in a high cost of living area like obviously a project manager salary in boise is going to be different from the bay area um and aggregate uh, you know a few numbers um especially if they paint a good picture for you um use your own discretion but yeah if they're offering you you know eighty thousand and all the numbers are putting you somewhere in the one to 130 range then yeah You know, you're going to bring in the Bureau of Labor Statistics number. You're going to bring in the Indeed and the Glassdoor numbers. You're going to bring it all in. Glassdoor. Um, That's the one I was forgetting. Okay. Glassdoor is a big one. And especially you can look at the same company too. A lot of them will have posted range, sometimes even from HR, because a lot of the way these companies work is that they say they're given from the top. Look, we need you to hire three people as financial analysts. Uh we are giving you discretion to give them anywhere from a 75 to a 95 K salary. Nice. Above that needs to be approved. They already know the benefits packages that they can offer. Anything above that needs to be approved. Um, And they usually, unless depending on how much they want you, but they usually will offer you on the lower end of that salary. So they're going to offer you 75 or 80 K.
1: Nice.
2: They don't don't even ask anyone else it doesn't even really even look bad on them. Like there's really no downside for if you ask for more for them to give you a higher amount with it.
0: So 95, if the range was 75 to 95. Solid. Solid. Yeah.
1: I'll give you some context from the other side of this. So one of the things that I do a lot for clients is actually help them hire and recruit. So I have actual training programs on hiring and recruiting, usually around salespeople, but any job position at, at all. And so I do this quite a bit. Like I actually go in and, and help companies, you know, everything from how to create the job listing to I'll actually conduct the interviews for them Do do a lot of the negotiation of the salary. And I'll tell you that most companies that I deal with um, don't actually know what to pay people. So they're kind of taking a shot in the dark and the con- the, the context of, or the comment that they usually make is, well, let's just kind of see what the market brings us when we start to interview so they don't necessarily have a lot of idea of what they're doing, and I think what people do is candidates forget that. I mean we just assume that everybody knows what they're doing, and they don't and this could be these are really great companies by the way these are $50, $100 million dollar companies that are that are doing you know exceptionally well have a lot of employees, but they don't know they're creating a new position, they're doing something new, they're trying to elevate their their team and so they've traditionally paid their sales reps fifty thousand, but they want to take things to a new level they don't know if it's seventy five eighty a hundred. And so this this concept that you're bringing up, I think, is really critical. That I will tell you from a as a as a hiring manager, if you will. I mean, I probably hire with clients and everything in a non COVID year anywhere 20 to 20 or so, 30 people a year that I bring on uh, with clients, and you know, do hundreds and hundreds of interviews. And the person who comes in and says, "Well, can you do more on the salary, or can you do better on the benefits?" and just asks that question, I don't usually respond well to that but the person who comes in would says like hey so i i you know appreciate the offer but i want to let you know i i've been doing some research i have this other offer now the other offer you better make you can't make that up because i can tell like there's something yeah. weird about like you can tell when somebody's lying that they have another offer and I'm my my response is always when i feel that i'm like oh okay then you probably should take that other offer and you could just see the look yeah. on their face like oh crap now i'm screwed yeah now but, i done it <laughs> yeah now i did it but but I think if somebody comes in and says, like, hey, listen, I was doing some research and in this local market and that, or where I live, because remote work is different. And sometimes that's the other thing. Like with remote work, I'm finding now is you might be hiring your corporate headquarters, might be in, you know, Miami or something. Well, that's a bad example because that's a high cost of living. But like your corporate headquarters might be in South Carolina somewhere, but you're hiring remote workers in LA or Orange County. And they actually, again, it's not that they're trying to screw these people, it's they don't know. And so coming in with research makes me as a hiring manager go, one, cool, I like that you're well-researched. But two, you come in and you go, oh, well, all right, well, we had no idea. Now, that may that may result, like you said, me still saying, all right, yeah, I can't do that. But it at least frames the conversation in a much better way. And I think that takes away some of that fear of negotiating your salary when you just got to realize companies, no matter how great they are, don't always know, don't always have a pulse on the market for what. What's fair or what's not, and yeah, of course we're going to try to get you cheap. I mean why wouldn't we, Brennan, what
0: <laughs> what was the back to Ali for a moment what did that um what did that salary end up going from into at the job she ultimately took?
2: Just up five thousand uh so up to seventy with uh I think an extra week of uh vacation time so yeah, that's, that's my. Great. First job out of college going up from sixty-five to seventy, that's some extra pocket change and uh um, yeah. about so a, a negotiating salary is that uh all your raises are always done or almost always done as a percentage of your existing base, which means if you know anyone here who's listened to, you know, your advice knows that um compounding interest or compounding raise that's gonna make a big difference over time because you know. Starts with just a five k uh, difference, but now you know a ten percent raise is ten percent of seventy k instead of ten percent of six point five. And exactly, but if you're negotiating every time with your raise, even if you're just bumping it up five percent, that's going to make a big difference over in the years over the span of your career. Yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge amount.
0: We got another question, Brennan, about negotiating a bill. Someone had a bill that they were like, "Hey, it might go to collections. Do you have any advice for that? Have you ever done that?" um i know i know we're gonna get the credit queen on here one of these days if we can keep her to keep her f-bombs to under like one a minute she's hilarious but definitely Uh, got a mouth um does does she's like sometimes you're better off having it go to collections because we'll just repair their credit on the back end so i know she said that because they'll knock the bill down. Do you have
2: any experience like with your friends or anything doing that and any, any ideas for that? Only a little bit and I will say from what I know about things going to uh, like collectors or to, uh, yeah, like collection agencies, read a little bit more about that because there are a couple extra rules there. For example, not admitting that the debt is yours, otherwise they can nail you for the full amount or once you negotiate a deal, if you break it even by a little bit, one day late on your payment, the deal will be off. If you had negotiated your debt down to 80% and then you break it by one day, one day. back up to the full hundred percent. So if you're working with a collection agency, definitely, definitely do a little bit of that background research. Um, I do know that the way that debt collection works is that they are buying the debt from whoever the original debtor is uh, at, you know, pennies on the dollar, usually it's like three to 10%, depending, depending on how delinquent you are, um, 30 days out, 90 days, 180 days, whatever. Um, so any amount that they can get more than what they bought it for is a profit for them. So if you owe $10,000 and they bought it for 500, um, you know, a 5%, uh, of the original 10,000, uh, if you can even pay them eight hundred on your original ten thousand, they're turning a profit there. That's one right. thing to know. Um, yeah. Other than that, I don't really have any personal experience with it. Um, I, so-
0: I would just, I would just add from chatting with the Irene, the credit queen, over on Twitter. Um, like actually speaking with her, she was she was saying a good number for whoever asked that because it rolled by is about thirty cents on the dollar. She's like okay. these days. Most companies. So if you've got a ten thousand dollar debt, and you can get it down to, um, or three thousand, three thousand, and usually they'll take a, a payment in full, and then then you just go into credit repair after the carnage is done, and then they can get a lot of those debts off there. So sometimes having it go to collections is actually desirable. So, yep. Brennan, what other um, what other did we miss any questions, Dominic? Actually, I saw a couple go by. Um,
1: we had one around, but I think he covered a little bit around negotiating fewer working days or or more work, vacation time. But I, I thought it'd be interesting if you don't mind, like switching gears just a little bit, since you're a business owner as well, Brennan. I think one of the big pieces of being an entrepreneur is having to negotiate, and you know, again, it's a critical aspect of just owning a business from from every aspect of the business. Quite frankly. But I think one of those deals, I mean, you're in a service-based business with your agency. You got to go in there and negotiate a deal. Somebody comes in, you want to charge 10000 for a website build, and they were expecting you to pay 1500 You know, that's an, that becomes a negotiation of that sometime. And, and just to give some context, I work with a lot of business owners, and one of the things I work with them on coaching around sales and stuff is stop bending over and, like, just backing down on that stuff like you've got to be no know, know what your stuff is worth and you also got to have like a sense of it but what's your perspective on that how have you used kind of your natural negotiation skills to also make some money on the entrepreneurial side like how do you handle that when you yeah. price a client
2: first of all that not backing down is huge um i know what my sites are worth because i know what other people are going to pay me so um you know i've had several times where i'll quote a website and say hey that's you know Thousand dollars, and person will come back and say, you know, I can find someone online who can do that for forty five hundred. I'll say that's fantastic. Like, congrats. Like, you should take that, and not like sarcastically. Like, really. Like, if that is your budget, you should take that. Um, I'm not going to do the work for forty five hundred because I've got other people who are going to pay me twenty two thousand. Um, and I haven't done a website for forty five hundred in four years, and I'm not going to go back.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: uh, but. Um so there's two sides to you know business ownership, you're negotiating with clients on prices sometimes, um, and then negotiating with you know contractors, employees, etc. On the client side, again, going back to that idea of not trying to uh clash with positions, but rather focusing on interests is really, really huge. So for example, I quote a client, this happened five months ago. I quoted a client, I think 33,000 for like a website overhaul design, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Quite a bit of work. Uh, I quoted them that because they also wanted it done in a six-week timeline. So I was going to have to work overtime a bit. I was going to have to work weekends. um, And it was going to uh, basically mean that if any other good opportunities came up during that time, I would probably have to turn it down because I had committed to this. So I practiced that in. And I told them, I said, hey, it's going to be you know $35,000 to meet it in that timeline. If you guys can double that timeline to 12 weeks, I can bring that down. Uh, let me know. And then they did, said, yeah, that's outside our budget, but you know what? We thought we needed it by end of year, like in November. Um, we actually don't need it by you know, February or so. That's fine. But so great. Here's a couple of um, also let them know, Hey, this feature in particular is taking a lot of time. Without that feature, you know, they'll cut, you know, they'll chop 2000 bucks off. If you really, need that well, now, you know why, you know, it's so expensive. <laughs> right. Really huge. Just again, focusing on the interests of every party, um, uh, the standing firm on my own. like I am constantly thinking about my hourly rate, uh, I think a lot of business owners focus on their top-line revenue, which is fine for some businesses, and it depends on what you're in. But for me in a services business, I would much rather make uh, $70,000 a year at a $250 hourly rate than making 90000 a year at a $120 an hour rate. Because at the end of the day, I don't want to work two and a half times more hours. Um, so brilliant.
0: Like, That's a really good point, Brennan, is what is as a business owner, what is your hourly rate? What's the, your minimum daily rate? What are you not, I mean, Naomi Naomi Campbell, the, the supermodel had a great line, you know, 30 years ago, I don't get out of bed for less than $10,000. <laughs> and, you know, back then $10,000 was real money. It'd probably be 25 to 30 now. Yep, not even gonna, not even gonna put clothes on. I'm gonna stay in bed and do supermodel things like drink champagne and probably cocaine. I think that's what supermodels <laughs> were into back then, but you know, lounge around and Calvin Klein underwear and smart cocaine and drink champagne and all right, you're going to pay me enough, but knowing your hourly rate is brilliant. Hourly, I think,
2: go ahead. I will hourly. add that it all, is also really important to know what your minimum annual salary you want is. So for example, uh, if I'm really staunch about this 250 hourly rate and, uh, I'm turning down a ton of business as a result because they don't want to pay that. And then I, at year end, I realized I only made twenty two thousand in the year. Uh, that is a whole different ballpark. That is not all right for me. I need to be making more than that. So for me, I think to myself, all right, you know, in order to live a comfortable lifestyle, from you know whatever that means for me, um, I need to be making at least eighty thousand a year. Um,
0: and, and not- someone. Yeah. Someone just posted, Nordic Sound was a great comment. Always negotiate options, not your value. Great, yeah. great yeah. point. What did? Uh, by the way, for a bunch of you just joining us, this is the Make More, Keep More podcast. Um, we do this every Friday at 8 a.m. We got my son, Brennan, on today. Um, that's the tall kid. Uh, the other one's Dominic. You see him every week. Uh, nobody cares about you, Dominic. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> brennan what books did you read like where did you go because i know there's a couple books that you recommend what do you recommend yeah. for getting good at this
2: i've read probably about eight or so negotiation books i was just looking this morning uh racking them up um including the most recent one i read is called uh, never pay the first bill and it's specifically about negotiating in the healthcare industry um so if anyone has really some... it's really good i did that because um well, as you guys know, I just had a big double jaw surgery a couple of months ago and, um, did not want to pay that $135,000 bill that came in. Um, so I read that book, but the two books, by, by the way,
0: Brennan, I have to interrupt before you get to those two other books, Dominic, this was kind of impressive. Uh, <laughs> someone said, get my way, my name out your mouth, um, Por- Brennan did an impressive skill, which is his job was completely wired shut, and we thought we were going to get silence for a little bit. And as I'm picking up at the hospital, he did not shut up once. And he's like, sure, where are we going for a day? And I'm like, Brennan, that is actually, I mean, I'm kind of <laughs> impressed here. Okay, what were the two other books?
2: So – Again, if you have any hospital bills or any anything in the medical industry, never pay the first bill. But the two. And I main- think for our
0: person earlier, it was a medical bill that they were looking at. So definitely grab that. I had never even heard of that, but it's so yep.
2: good to know. It came out like a year ago, but it's, uh, it's great. Uh, the two main books for negotiating that I think you can cover most of like basic negotiating principles are getting to yes and. Uh, never split the difference, and I'll briefly cover each one. Thirty seconds to each. Getting to yes is the principal negotiation guidebook. It came out in like I think the late seventies, early eighties from the Harvard Negotiation Project. Um, it is in an ideal world. Here is how to be principled about negotiation. There is a ton of gold in there. It is also criticized um, for being very idyllic in that um, it makes all these assumptions of like yes, this is how. It should but is that how it is but there's still a lot of good stuff in there um, that i've used time and time again in my negotiations things like uh working together as a team separating the problem from the person so that you're able to maintain good relationships with someone while also being very very firm in what you want right. uh, focusing on interest not positions which we've talked about a bunch already today uh, all those kinds of things are all from getting to yes i think I think they were the first ones to come up with the idea of the BATNA, the best alternative to a negotiated agreement, which is basically like, if this negotiation doesn't work out, what are you going to do instead? Uh, Just the idea that the stronger the other options you have, the better your negotiating position is. That's getting to yes. Uh, Never Split the Difference is by the former head negotiator of the FBI, Chris Voss. Uh, He also does a master class. And that one is really incredible. It is very, very practical. Um, a lot of the stuff in there is like little tips and tricks that maybe if you are a high powered attorney on suits and you're sitting in a boardroom negotiating a multi-billion dollar deal, it's worth it to know. If you're trying to negotiate your car price down, I don't know if you really need to be focusing on like the exact way you enunciate a word, but <laughs> there are some very important things in there. Um, the, the key idea overlap between both is that it is extremely important to listen to your counterparty It is extremely, extremely important to understand what they want and to try and answer that. Uh, And especially in never split the difference, he really emphasizes on your goal should not be like whittling them down. Your goal should be to uh, make this a fact finding mission, find out what they want, just find out everything you can about them. What, you know, what are your fears with this? What, what upsets you about this deal? What, um, what do you like? Like, what are you hoping for? You know, anything that you can get is really, uh, really valuable there. Love it. Love it. Love it. Happy,
0: and I, we appreciate all the, all the alternatives we've got. How do you negotiate with an escort and a pimp and all that? Hey, Brennan, you got your whole writing series ready for you when you graduate law school.
1: Yeah. right. So, <laughs> yeah uh, um
0: dominic, I what think, were you gonna say we got about yeah got about I'm, I'm, 10 minutes left here y'all
1: yeah and if you guys again there's been some good questions in the, the comments i think we've got most of them but hey if you guys have more questions feel free to ask this is the make more keep more show uh i'm dominic that's ron in the berkeley sweatshirt and uh the, the tall guy well you can't really tell that but he is six foot seven he's uh, super tall yeah, <laughs> is uh, is Brendan Carruthers, who happens to be Ron Sen, but also an expert in negotiation, that's what we're talking about today. So negotiation is great because it's both, with, you know, the make more and the keep more side of things. All of it person. rolled. It's
0: all of it rolled into one. In fact, into Every one. show, every show from now on for the rest of our lives, Dominic, we're just gonna have Brendan on every week because it covers there both of them. <laughs> there you go. Sorry, Brendan. I hope you don't have any 8 a.m. Friday law classes. Yeah, somebody yeah Who
1: cares about that law degree? This is uh this is important <laughs> stuff on the show. No, uh, so I
0: think the part that
1: we you know, we keep coming back to is this theme that I love is there's well, there's two things that you've said that I really love is one, you know, never it basically just doesn't hurt to ask. I mean, what's what's the worst that can happen is they say no. Okay, well, no problem. And every once in a while, I get somebody who gets a little salty about it. But you know, that's the funny thing is I think. I think that's, at least for me, that's the fear is that I worry that everybody's going to be like, God, you're a jerk for asking. Whereas your experience is like three out of 100 might be that way. So it's kind of worth it. But I also love your concept around just you got to figure out like some mutual benefit here. Like here is the, you know, whether it's the Airbnb, like, look, I'm going to rent this place out for a period of time. So just work with me a little bit. Oh, you're worried about your gas bill. Do we can work with you on that? Or we're no, we're not going to trash the place. Like easing their fears. It's, it gets into the salary. Like, look, you want me, I'm really good at this job. I just need market. <laughs> and, and, and if you can't do it in salary, I'll work with you on other benefits. Maybe like there's this, give and take in a negotiation which which seems to make a lot of sense um what i mean any other given even with the client thing like i can't do it for that you should take that lower offer if you can but if these are the things that were important to you this is we still need to go with it this way i love that give and take like any other give and take tips that you love or examples that you can share with us on that type of thing or just putting yourself in that mindset
2: um I give to clients, especially when they can't afford whatever, again, what you said, don't get your value. That's very important. And when they can't afford whatever, or don't want to pay, whatever my value is um, I try and help them out whenever I can, because I think that's just good business. It's also, I like being nice whenever I can, but, um, I've had now three clients who before they became clients had come to me earlier, could not afford me or just decided not to go with me. Um, and all three I'd helped out in some way, find someone else, you know, oh, you know, your budget is a tenth of what I quoted you. Let me see if I can put you in touch with like a college student, uh, you know, from my alma mater who will probably take that. Um, let me see if I can, you know, introduce you to some other people who might be able to do a part of that project that uh, you started. Um, and yeah, a lot of the time people don't come back. That's fine. I'm fine just helping people out. doesn't, you know, it's not much off my back. Um, plus I'm not just helping them, I'm helping future people that might work for me, you know, those college students or, you know, the other friends with their practices. Right. Um, but many And you're not working. Come you're back.
0: Creating, good, you're and, creating goodwill.
2: Yep, exactly. Yeah. They said, Hey, that was great. You know, we got our first logo from that student that you introduced us to. Um, we just got, you know, funding from some venture capitalists and now yep, we're ready.
0: beef funding and yeah.
2: Yep, exactly.
0: I've got, I've got a great question from Laura Sophia which was let me scroll back and get it here i have as we're getting near get yeah why don't you go ahead and ask that and i'll give you my two cents on it but i want to hear yours first brennan yeah go ahead it, will you read so it Dominic?
1: Yep. i'll read it thanks for Alessandra text of these over to me on the other screen so i can see these is it ethical to continue to charge x amount for y when i found a software that makes it two times more efficient so if i work freelance should i be honest or continue to charge the same amount which is the market standard
2: the software, being what that she can automate a lot of the work, she can
1: do. She can do it potentially
0: twice as fast. And sorry to assume your gender, but it's a Sophia Laura, so we're going to go with that, or, or Laura Sophia. So it sounds like she can turn around and she's twice as efficient. So the work's getting done in half the time. What would you say, Brendan? I'd say charge the market rate or charge whatever you Stop. can. That's what I'd say. Yeah, I'd be. Yeah. Yep. And let me give you a perfect example of where this happens. In the auto mechanic industry, there are published standards, so part of the whole joy of being a good mechanic is you can get it done in less than so you might only work eight hours a day but you're getting make twelve or fourteen. And again, is the work's getting done? so that's that's the concern I would have. If you really feel bad or they're and they're a great client, give them a five or ten percent discount. but I wouldn't cut what you're doing in half.
2: No, absolutely. And again, whatever the market rate is, I, you know, for me, I think of the market rate, like, I don't think about the market rate at all, uh, except when I'm hiring people, because you're not, again, someone can come to me and say, well, the market rate for a website of the size that I'm asking for is $6,000, and you quoted me 30. I said, yeah, because I do good work, and you like the work that I do, um, and I charge 30. <laughs> and again, it's just not negotiating your own value there. People are hiring you because they like working with you, not just your work. They like the way maybe that you communicate with them. They like, I don't know, they like the way you do things or you're just convenient for them. They don't want to have to go through all the costs of some other contractor or provider. Um, so again, and like I said earlier with the negotiations with the Airbnb, I'm not thinking at all about, am I asking for a 20 or 5% discount? I'm thinking about what can I pay and what makes sense for me? And I'm going from there. It's so the same right. for me. How much money do you want to make, um, and then can you make it work? And again, if you're raising your rates to a point where your you know annual salary is suddenly going below um, what you need it to be, that's when you need to readjust. But always just think about yourself first. And if well, I let can me take, w- let me um, let me jump in with one
0: point, and then I'll let you. We talked earlier about if you're getting in the job market, you don't want to have one job offer. Well, if you're in the business market, you don't want to have just one client that wants to work with you. You need to create a big enough pipeline that if a handful of people say no, you've got plenty of people that will say yes and will pay those rates
2: yeah.
1: at whatever you're doing there. Darnik, right. Sorry to cut you off, man. What were you going to say? Well, yeah, actually, I'll go with that point a little bit, too, is that's where, like, you know, obviously, I get a lot of people who approach me like, how do I get into high ticket sales? How can I sell really big deals? And one of the things I tell them is first lock down the bread and butter mm-hmm. stuff. Have a steady stream of that so that you don't need that big deal because if you just have one big right. six-figure client which i mean it's great but then you only have one client and and you're you know they leave you you're done but if you have six figures worth of clients and then you land a six-figure client then it's all gravy and so it's really that that idea of getting your your mindset right right uh uh around that but i also think yeah there's i teach a concept and I, i'm not the only one, I, just, I take a it's a framework that other people talk about, but like I teach something called spirit genius, like in your spirit genius, the thing that you're so freaking good at that you're, it comes easy to you. You actually deserve to be paid top dollar in that framework because you are so good at it. There's a lot of things I'm not good at. And so I hire people to do that stuff for me. I was thinking about the other day, like we've, I've, I've replanted, we had two homes back to back. I've tried to plant the lawn probably, I think a grand total of five times and like never get my lawn to grow in great. It turns out I'm not a landscaper. I mean, it's just not my <laughs> gift, right? So wow, it took you long, Took guys, you long enough to figure it out, of, D. Five, five goes at it, countless hours, tons of frustration. We hired these landscapers, they're awesome. They come in and my, we're, we're out of town and my daughter was like, oh my God, you should see what the grass looks like right now. Like, like how good it looks. And that's that thing of like your sphere of genius. So did they charge me what seemed like a lot when I first heard the number? Yeah but you know what? It's right. Like it's, and it looks good. Like, and and I didn't have to do it. And so I think where people get into that concept of like, that, oh, Laura Sophia asked, is there, is it ethical to continue? Yeah, it is because they're not just paying you for the work done. They're paying you for everything else. They're paying you for less heart he- headache. They're less, and and most of us don't care how long the job takes as long as the job's done. That's and what so I, I care think about. Right. That, I want the results. And as soon as you become results-based, in your business, then, you know, and you can pitch to the re- results and, and talk about the results, then the, yeah, the budget will be a factor, but then that's when you can say like, okay, well, if that's out of your budget, I can remove this particular feature and cut down the price by 10 grand if you want, um, you know, and then we'll, we'll build that on later or whatever, you know, and then all of a
2: sudden you have a long-term relationship with the client,
1: which, is a, which isn't a bad thing either.
2: I know we're wrapping up soon. I do want to jump on that, the results-oriented thing. Uh, To anyone out there starting or thinking of starting a services business, that is the number one thing I've done is I changed from charging an hourly rate to a flat fee based off what's being done because I realized I don't want to negotiate my hourly. I don't want someone telling me, well, I don't think that your work is worth this much. And at the end of the day, they don't care if the website I make them takes 100 hours or takes 500 hours. Um, what they care is that they get the website that they paid for and that it has the features that they paid for, et cetera, et cetera. And that is the number one way you can also like negotiate up your hourly because if I told someone that's hiring me, yeah, you're actually paying me 900 bucks an hour. That website you're paying me $30,000 for actually only took me whatever, you know, 45 hours to make. Uh, they don't give a damn how much it took me to make. They want the website and they already agreed, yeah, that website's worth 30 k perfect. In fact, the better that you get at your job, you'll be able to do your service better for less time and your hourly rate should skyrocket because of that. And people are going to, you know, I want a thousand or $1,400 an hour, but if you just focus on what they're getting, which is all that matters at the end, you're going to be able to negotiate really easily. And again, then you can just completely tie it to uh, how much does that thing cost? Oh, you really want, you know, that uh, cool micro animation on that site that takes a lot of work. What's going to cost you? (laughs) But if you don't want that, now we can bring it down and get more in your, uh, in your price range.
0: Yeah. Brilliant. Any final tips? We've got a few minutes over. I saw a question come up about any other tips for service provider companies from D Quinones. Um, I think uh,
2: Brennan, anything you want to add or Dominic. Pay your, pay your employees and contractors. Well, um, as soon as possible get retainer clients that helps you plan for the future that yep. helps you. the second that you know and can start to plan off of okay i know that i've got eight thousand dollars a month coming in that's when you can start to say okay i can take five thousand of that a month and hire someone else to you know address that start helping me out scare retainer clients focus on diversification i'd say you know my best year i did revenue wise annually um I was pretty hard on myself because yeah, you know, crossed um, as a one man shop crossed $200,000 in annual revenue, but, uh, was only had, I think five clients that year. And I was like, that's oh, a problem when I don't, you know, have that much client diversification. I definitely want to get that up. Um, I think that's important too, because then, you know, if one client tells me to go screw myself, I'm not like, Oh my God, I just lost, you know, 20% of my revenue. Um, so definitely try to focus on uh, creating as many revenue streams or client, you know, streams as possible.
0: If you guys have a couple more minutes, we got a couple of really good questions here at the end. And for sure. our lawyer, we've got, that's, hey, that's post Ryan. This? That's oh, Ryan that's right. All right. Well, don't shout him out. Cause he's got personal stuff on there. Ryan, what's happening, dude. Hey man, <laughs> we'll post this on my channel. And I think Brennan will be able to share it on his, and it's good to see you. So Ryan, um, well, not saying his name, he he negotiated a lower salary. He didn't really go through the process. Do you have any suggestions for him for next year
2: or anybody else on that? Again, first thing is look at the market. Look at, go to, hey, Ryan. Um, for those who don't, I assume no one knows, Ryan is a childhood friend of mine uh, that my dad knows. Yep. <laughs> Ryan, I
0: took, I took Ryan and Brennan back to when they were kids, like fifth or sixth grade. We were supposed to go see Casino Royale. It was sold out. So I took them in like sixth grade to Borat. That right. And that was absolutely <laughs> hilarious at the time. And yeah, I was like, Ryan, let's keep your mom a little fuzzy on the details here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry. <laughs> this is
2: <oiling. laughs> Anyway. Um <laughs> so anyways, um First thing, go to the market. Uh, You can find out what your company is paying from Glassdoor. So um, I always think people should talk to their, you know, um, their coworkers also. See what other companies are uh, paying. And uh, I always tell my friends, if you've got like a salary job, you should just constantly be like lightly looking for other work. Just to see what's out there. Again, if you, you know, if you are getting messages from... And they're constantly offering you salaries in the same field that are 40% higher than yours. I mean, why not just take one of those? Um, we, or why not, at the very least, get an offer and bring it back to your company and say, I love working here. I want to stay here, but like, you guys got to up your game. I don't love you, you know, 40,000 a year in losses. Right. <laughs> Brilliant. What was the other question? Did you catch it,
0: D?
1: Yeah. There's any resources to start getting retainer clients was one of it from Dean Quinones.
2: Yes. That was um, a very early goal of mine in my business was trying to get retainer clients. Uh, First, any project clients you have, um, every time I finish a project, I'm always just like, do you all want to set up a retainer? Um, I I just pitch them on the options. And again, it's like, you know, you don't need to sign right now or whatever, but Here's some things you'll probably notice in the couple first couple months. Once I've handed off the website to you, um, you're going to have to maintain it. Um, when you want to update it, there's you know a little bit of a learning curve, um, and then I just pitch them on some options. I'm like, hey, just for maintaining the website, you know, whatever, 500, 700 however many dollars a month, I will just take care of that. We'll make sure it doesn't crash. We'll make sure all the software is up to date. Hey, if you also want my help, um, you know, uploading a couple blog posts a month. If making a couple extra graphics, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think it's much more important just to get the retainer client than to focus too much on exactly how they paid. Like I was way more willing to negotiate and to go lower on that. Um, because I saw the value in having that money that is consistently coming in month over month. Uh, and it allowed me to plan and have some stability and just know that, Hey, even if, uh, no projects are coming in i at least have three or four or five thousand dollars a month coming in let, let me let me throw one thing at you guys ask for for deacon
0: Jonas who who was asking the question just ask your clients like brennan said i went took my computer to a computer repair shop tech to you um they did the work and they're like oh hey just so you know we automatically set you up on a monthly billing so we'll be your computer guys. We can do a lot of remote work for you. Just cancel it. Try for 30 days. If you don't want, just here's the date. You have to keep in mind to cancel it. And it was like 29 bucks a month or something. I use those guys every month. New printer. Hey, man, I need you guys to do this. I'm having some, some loading issues. It was Kaspersky going in. We needed a backup system. They went in and did it. So all they did was just like they were super low-key about it. Hey man, we signed you up for this. If you don't want it, just all you have to do is click this button or call us. We'll take care of it. Super low pressure. How many clients do you think they get a month that bring their computers in and now are happy to work with them for twenty nine bucks a month? So
1: there's some measure they of have, just asking. There is. I'll give you another tip too, and this is actually probably a little more specific to to agencies, but it, it all well actually really any service based business. Part of what I and I and then we'll wrap and then we'll
0: wrap up here.
1: Yeah, this is a big part of what I teach. But like for getting retainer clients, you actually so usually what happens, especially in service-based business, somebody calls you up and, and marketing agencies in particular, they call you up to do a project. Hey, I need a website built. I need a new logo. I need Facebook ads. I need whatever. Like they want up they have a project that they have in mind. And again, same thing for you know a plumber, same thing for Ron's computer guy. I mean, it kind of applies across the board. Usually we have a need. One of the things to do now, the plumber may not be a great example on this, but is to offer some form of assessment and (laughs) do some form of like strategic assessment type of thing of like, Hey, while I'm here, what I'd like to do. So I'll give an example. A few years ago, we got somebody reached out to us to do a rebranding project. They acquired a company. They wanted to change the logo, change the name, change everything, come up with a new, uh, you know, branding. And I said to him, I was like, yeah, I start every, Branding project with a strategy session. We're going to sit down and we're going to walk through your ideal buyer. You're going to, and they were like, No, but we just need a new logo. And I was like, Well, how are you going to know your logo is going to appeal to your audience unless you know your audience? Like, we have to do this initial thing. If you can do some form of initial assessment on there, you can paint the value of all the things they need above and beyond the project. And then it becomes, Yeah, I'll definitely get this project done for you. No problem. Us doing this assessment session will make the project even better. And then on top of that, then we may have some other stuff that we want to talk about ongoing. So there's there's a bit of a formulaic response. Just going back to Deacon Jonas, this question of like, how do you get retainer clients? You got to have a way, a formulaic way of doing some sort of assessment that shows them a bigger picture than just that project that you're that they initially usually reach out to contact you for.
2: Love it. before, we wrap up. There is a myriad of companies out there one to 10, one to 20 employees where the size of their needs, it does not make sense for them to hire a full-time web developer Mm -hmm. or a full-time copywriter or a full-time anything. anything. Yeah. Anything. But they do need someone for 10 hours a week. They do need someone for 20 hours a month. Um, And that's where you come in and you say, you don't have to pay me benefits at will. You know, you have to just give me 30 days notice or, you know, you pay up front. Um, I charge a higher hourly rate because I'm not getting the benefits, but you are getting a huge benefit because you are not signing an annual contract with me. Um, I am providing you flexibility to continue to grow your business and you grow from 10 employees to 15. Perfect. Let's have another conversation. We'll ramp my retainer hours up from 20 a month to 30 a month. Uh, So if you are looking for a retainer client and you have a skill Look for companies that need that skill, but not enough to hire someone full-time. Yep. Brilliant. Well, it's a great way to end it, y'all. So we chatted about
0: a lot of um, tips. For those of you just joining, this is the Make More, Keep More podcast. And um, we do it every Friday on Instagram Live, 8 a.m. Pacific. This um, this will be posted, for those of you that join later, miss the early part of it, on my page. And then I'll make it so they can share it on their pages. But um That's it, lovely CJP. It was good seeing you again. Your local crack babies, Ryan, Zach, all good to see you guys. And uh, Brennan, most honorable son number one. It was so good to have you on. And then uh, Dominic, I'll figure out who we're having next week, and uh, we'll
1: have another podcast for you guys. So, yeah, seeing uh, everybody and. We get a lot of questions about whether we're going to place this somewhere else. Ron and I are actively working on how to rip the audio so we can get this posted other places just so everybody knows yep. so that is coming we just, soon. We're,
0: we're, we're like a we're like a fiber uh, conversation away. Let me show you the view again from where we're at. We're like a fiber conversation away from uh, doing that. So we just got to reach out. All right, guys. Good seeing everybody. And again, great questions. Brennan, thank you so much. And we will do yeah, it again thanks, next Brandon. week. It's
1: easy to hear you guys. All right. See you guys.